Noah was God's faithful friend. His family was loved by God too, while other people on the earth were evil through and through. Noah, Noah, build an ark. God said to him one day, make it big because I plan to send a flood your way. Bring your family with you because I love them too. Then fill the ark with animals and take them two by two. Noah obeyed God and then for 40 days and nights it rained until there was no land and no one left in sight. God stopped the rain, the sun came out, the earth began to dry. To show he'd flood the world no more, God hung a rainbow in the sky. When the ark had landed, Noah said a prayer. Thank you, God, for saving us and for your loving care. Not too bad for a children's book. We can sometimes beat up those unnecessarily, but um, I want you to go with me to Genesis 6 tonight. We're going to look for a few minutes at Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 to 22. And I hope that through this brief meditation that our hearts will be prepared for the Lord's Supper to take it with great affection for Christ. And because as we know from Luke chapter 24 where Jesus says, these are the scriptures that testify of me. And he talks about himself being in the Psalms and the prophets and the law. And then in John chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus also says that Moses wrote of him. So we're going to see Jesus here in Genesis 6 tonight, I hope. Let's read, beginning at verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said... I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the Lord was cor- the, the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them. With the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. And its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it lower. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, and which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you and your sons and your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And every living thing of all flesh you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female." Of the birds according to their kinds, and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing of the ground according to its kind, two of every sort shall come come in to you to keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall be as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God had commanded him. Let's pray. Father, as we come to your word tonight, again, we pray that you will 
do good to us through this passage of Scripture tonight, that you will speak to us of Christ tonight from this passage of Scripture. Enable me to help these dear brothers and sisters and serve them well as we seek to take the Lord's Supper tonight in a worthy manner. In Jesus' name, amen. Five things I want you to notice. Number one, sin. Sin. Verse 5 and 6. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That is tragic. That is terrible. If you think about Genesis chapter 1, when God made man in his own image for the purpose of displaying a visible representation and replica of himself and the earth, and six chapters later we've got this... Something has gone terribly wrong. And that something we know happened three chapters earlier. When Eve was seduced by the serpent, took the apple, her husband took it as well, and the whole human race was plunged into sin and cursed of God. And here, just a few chapters later, we see the wickedness of man being great in the earth. When the glory of God was intended to be great in the earth at this time, we have the wickedness of man being great in the earth. And notice the description that Moses gives of the state of man here. Every intention of the thoughts of his heart. Now the heart is big. I just got done doing a big word study on heart in Hebrew. And that is a big concept. Blake's the only one that knows about that. Well, that, that's not the fact that I did a word study. But now you all know I did a word study. I don't know how I did. If Bob gives me a bad grade, I'll tell you next sermon. But what, I, what happened in that word study was learning about all that the heart is in Scripture. The heart is the totality of man's inner being. It's everything that's immaterial about man. It includes the affections, the will, the mind. The, every, everything that is part of man's immaterial nature is bound up in what, this, what Scripture calls the heart. And to hear the description here is that every intention, not just every intention of the heart, but it goes deeper than that. Every intention of the thoughts of man's inner being is not only just evil, but it's only evil, and it's only evil continually. That is terrible. It's, it's easy to you know, read these children's books like I just read and, 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 and miss the, the tragedy of this situation that is in the earth at this moment. The, the all-pervasiveness of sin at this very moment. I remember hearing perhaps some of you who are old enough to hear Bill Cosby's older, way back, way back in the old 60s Bill Cosby records. Perhaps you remember hearing him making a, a long... He had a 15-minute part of his spiel that went through the whole story of the flood. And he made it a very trivial and light thing. God's just talking to people. And Noah's going around telling everybody, you know, that rain's coming and nobody's listening to him. And now all of a sudden the rain starts and they wish they would have listened to Noah. And he does it in a very comical way. And, and we need to be aware that this is not a comical situation. This is a tragic, devastating, hor- horrifying situation. Not only that, but look at verse 11 and 12. God kind of recycles and says it again. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight. Corrupt in God's sight. And the earth was filled with violence. We just came off a violent episode, didn't we? Cain and Abel. The earth is filled with violence and God saw the earth and behold it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on earth. Corrupt, violent, wicked, Only evil continually. That's God's perspective on the earth pre-flood. Amazing. Sin is a reality. Number two, judgment. 
We not only see sin, we see judgment. Where do we see that? Verse 13, notice. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. God never intended the earth to be filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Verse 17. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. And then back in verse 7. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. So God's now pronouncing judgment. We've seen the sin. We've seen the gravity of the sin, the horrifying nature of the sin. And now we move in to seeing God's response. It's one of judgment. It's one of, I am going to wipe this place clean. I am going to rid the earth of the violence that is being, that is being given in my world that I created to be a theater to display my glory. I am going to clean it out. And I'm going to wipe out every living thing in the earth. I'm going to blot man out whom I've created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things. And God says, I'm sorry that I ever made him. That's terrible. Grieved him to his heart, it says in verse 6. But not only do we see judgment, we see mercy. We see mercy. Verse 8, but. See a lot of those buts, right? But God, Ephesians 2, all those important buts. This is a very important but as well. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. That's that's great to see verse 8, 9, and 10 in the middle of this. Because what is God doing? He's not blotting out everybody. He's not executing the completely just judgment that could have been executed. He could have wiped Noah out. He could have resurrected a new universe, completely blown this one to smithereens, started again. But God's about, in this text, renovation. He's about creating a new humanity. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But we see mercy. We see Noah finding favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah's a righteous man. It's as if God is scanning a spotlight all, all throughout creation, all throughout, and then... He lands on a righteous man. He lands on a man who's blameless. He lands on a man who walked with God. And he said, I like that. He will be spared. So we see mercy in the face of judgment. And this is the way of the Lord. In the midst of much sin, judgment is mingled with mercy. This is God's way throughout the entire Old Testament. And as we will see, it's God's way even into the New Testament and today. Well, those are just kind of periphery observations. Those are right on the surface. We can see sin here. We can see judgment here. We can see mercy here. I want to show you Jesus here. Okay? I want to show you Jesus here through two words that I think are very, very important and with which you'll be extremely familiar, I hope. The first word is representation. A key, key element of this passage is the idea that Noah is representing everything in that ark. The only reason that those sons of his and that that wife of his and his son's wives and all those animals are getting safely into the ark is because of blameless, righteous Noah who walked with God. Let's see that. Look at verse 18. 
Notice over and over how Moses draws attention to the fact that it's with you. It's with you. I'm doing this with you, with you, with you. Notice how much that comes up. Verse 18. But I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall come into the ark. You and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kinds, and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing of the ground according to its kind. Two of every short, of every short sort shall come in to you to keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that's eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Notice the emphasis over and over again. God is stressing the fact that Noah is the representative here. But not only that, we're gonna, I want to show you a few more, because this is, a, this is a, just a brief section of the flood account. I just want you to look at chapter 7, and I want to point out a couple of verses here as well. Look at verses 1 and 2. Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals. Skip down to verse 7. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him went into the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Notice verse 13. On the very same day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife, and the three three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. Notice verse 15. They went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all flesh, in which there was the breath of life. Notice verse 23. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left and those who were with him in the ark. You get the point? (laughs) He's saying this a lot. This is with you, 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 you. I'm saving them because of you. Over and over and over again. Just a couple more verses in chapter 8. Verse 16. Go out from the ark you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Then finally, verse 18, so Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with them. Now, why do I stress all that? I stress that for this very reason. We get saved the exact same way. We get saved through representation. God saves us and looks with favor on us tonight, not because of our blamelessness and our righteousness and the fact that we have walked with God. This principle of representation is carried throughout Scripture and typifies Jesus Christ. The fact that God saves through a representative. So tonight, I want you to, as we go around the table tonight, I want you to know that that table is actually located inside an ark. The table is in an ark. The ark is Jesus Christ. So God's pronouncement over our meeting tonight is, the Lord said to Jesus, Go, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. We are saved through representation, through the fact that Jesus Christ comes and identifies with us. And we, by virtue of being identified with Him, are put in the ark.
are put in the place of safety, are put in the place of rescue from God's judgment. Noah's wife, Noah's sons, Noah's sons' wives got mercy because of Noah and no other reason. And we get mercy for no other reason. But it's all the mercy we need. Because it's Jesus who has executed the will of God. Which brings us to my, the final thing I want to say. And that's obedience. We've seen sin, judgment, mercy, representation. Now I want to show you obedience. Because this is what makes Jesus' reputation, representation matter. Notice verse 14 to 16. God commands Noah to do some things, doesn't he? Tells him to build an ark. And he tells him specific directions of the way he wants it built in verses 15, 16, and 17. But then notice verse 22. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. He did all of it. But this isn't the only time the writer mentions that. You notice how I, went, I walk through you, I walk with you through those various texts about with you, with you, with you, with you. I want to do something similar. I want you to see the emphasis again on Noah. And the reason that God is saving these people is because of Noah's obedience. Look at chapter 7 verse 5. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. You notice something? When God repeats things in Scripture, it's because He wants you to pay attention to it. He's trying to draw attention to the reason He's doing things. And this is one of them. He already said Noah did all He commanded. And He's saying it again. Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. Notice verse 9 of chapter 7. Two and two, male and female, went into the ark with Noah as God had commanded Noah. Notice... Verse 16, again, And those that entered, male and female, of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. And finally, chapter 8, verse 18, we see it one more time. So Noah went out, and his sons, and his wives, and his wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, and every bird, everything that moves on the earth, went out by families from the ark. So we are, we see here a picture, don't we? We see a picture of the fact that God is stressing the obedience of Noah as necessary in order for his representation of the others in the ark to count. If Noah would not have built the ark, the people would not have been saved. If Jesus would not have come and lived under the law of God and died in our place under the curse of God, we would not have been saved. The obedience of Noah is primary. The fact that he obeyed the Lord, walked with God, was a man of honesty and integrity in his generation. But this did not change much. Yes, God started again with a new Adam, so to speak. Because the very next verses in chapter 8, God commands Noah to be fruitful and multiply in the earth. He's starting again. He's wiped the slate clean, left Noah and his family. But what do we see in chapter 8, verse 21? Look there. We see sin still there. 
And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. And that didn't change with the flood. The flood didn't eradicate the evil intentions of the thoughts of the hearts of the people. Shem, Ham, and Japheth, for all we know, still had evil hearts. The people that followed received judgment. We see judgment in the book of Genesis. We see Sodom and Gomorrah a few chapters later. We see judgment repeatedly throughout the Old Testament. And we will see judgment one day like we have never seen judgment. So sin and judgment are not completely eradicated yet. But all of this... All of this emphasis on the representation of Noah and the obedience of Noah is meant to point forward to one named Jesus Christ whose representation and obedience will change sin and will change judgment. Because there is going to be, according to 2 Peter, a shaking of this earth that there has never been in the history of the world. Can you imagine, if you can just picture what the flood was like, and imagine families looking out day seven, day eight, day nine, continual rainfall. It's starting to seep in through the cracks of the floor in their houses. It's starting to leak from the roof. They can't keep away from it anymore. And it's starting to fill on the horizon. And we, they see this ark in the distance. And they're beating on the side of the ark. Begging Noah to open the door. But the Lord shut the door of that ark. And that door's not getting open. They heard the warning. They are receiving the judgment, and there's nothing they can do about it. It's absolutely just. They received no offer of mercy. God pronounced the judgment, and judgment was demonstrated. Noah found favor, and he saved his family with him. You know what? We don't have that today because we have an offer of mercy extended don't we? Boys and girls, those of you who sit around the table month by month, you can get this picture, can't you? You can get the picture of a big boat with people inside and everybody around them drowning. Listen, you need to be inside Jesus' boat. Jesus has a boat He built it in his lifetime. And he built it with the wood of the cross. He suffered obedience unto the point of death. Even the death of the cross. And you need to be inside that boat. And God has the door wide open at this moment. He has the door wide open to this ark. And he invites you to walk up the steps of the ark and get inside of it. I want you to think about that around the table tonight, boys and girls, or older folks, around the table tonight, there's not just 
a table and you're around the table. You're outside of the ark. The table is inside of the ark. Right now, the fact that you sit around the outside means that you can actually come and join the table through repentance and faith by turning away from your sins and giving yourself unreservedly and wholeheartedly to Jesus Christ, saying, I am yours, you're mine. I want you, I leave my sins behind. All that, you give yourself to Jesus. He'll take you in the ark. But there is coming a day when the Lord will shut the door and there will be no second chance. There will be no second chance. Instead, it won't be water. It will be fire from heaven. So I beg you, think about that tonight. Think about Noah and think about the ark and think about the flood and think about how that applies to you. Christian, brother, sister, think about the safety that you have tonight. You are in a far stronger ark with a far greater Noah than anything in Genesis 6 ever would have had. You have a better obedience. Noah's obedience was not perfect. Blamelessness does not mean perfect in the Old Testament. It means he walked with God with integrity, but Noah was a sinner. Jesus is no sinner. Jesus' representation of us, he is able to stand before the Father and say, and the Father received this, I demand that you save them, Father. And the Father says, you have done everything. You have represented them. I gladly receive them. I gladly receive them. So rest tonight. No, so I want you to picture as you're, in your mind's eye, as you're, as you're, as you're taking uh, the elements tonight, I want you to think, not only am I at the table, seated at the table of the king, but I am placed in an ark whereby I will never, ever receive the wrath of God, that I am free from the judgment of God, that I am safely placed within the ark. What should your response be tonight? Same response that Noah had. And this, with this, I'll close. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. Noah worshipped. Noah worshipped. And can you imagine the intensity of his worship? The intensity of your worship is measured, is fueled by the intensity of the reality of the judgment that you've been rescued from. Your apprehension of the judgment that you have been saved from, the sin that you have been saved from, the mercy that you have received, your apprehension of that will be the degree with which your worship is intense tonight and not merely formal.
So let's gather tonight. Let's gather, brothers and sisters. Go into the ark with me. We're in the ark. You can look all around it by faith. There's a, there's a ark that has been built for us. And we can rest in that ark tonight. And we can worship in that ark tonight. So let's do that right now as soon as I pray. Father, we thank you for the greater Noah. The Noah that perfectly built the ultimate ark that we needed through his life and death. And that by faith, the faith that was a gracious gift of you to us, that we have been placed safely inside that ark. And that when the judge of all the earth returns, whom you have installed, named Jesus Christ, your very own son, that we will marvel at him. And that we will tremble with great joy that we have been found safe. And so tonight, Lord, we pray that you will give us that appropriate measure of trembling joy as we face the prospects of judgment in the future. Not for us personally in any kind of way like this, but a far worse judgment that's going to break, break loose on this world. And God, please turn our hearts toward the people that right now have the opportunity to join us in the ark. And we never know if you'll call. So make us faithful proclaimers. Make us faithful livers, speakers, doers, and beers of good news. Make us to bear good news with our lives and with our words so that we might have others join us in the ark by virtue of your gracious use of us in their lives. As Jude says that we should snatch others from the fire. And those are both Christians who are dangling in sin and also non-Christians who are desperately desperately in need of repentance from sin. So, Father, we rejoice tonight. Thank you so much for Jesus Christ, your Son, who lived for us and died for us and rose again on our behalf. And thank you for placing us safely in him. We pray in his name. Amen. We do not need our hymn books tonight. Let's proceed quietly to the fellowship hall.